This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel the Host, coming to you from the ARN Studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Tuesday, the 15th day of August, 2023. And this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. Oh, good to have you with us. Hope you're having a great day. Um, I'm a... Enjoying being in the middle of, of sermon prep this week. I am uh, preaching this weekend at uh, uh, Blackfoot Community Bible Church in Ovando again, where I preached once last month. I'm actually preaching there this month, and I'm preaching there again next month. <laughs> um, and uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, when you're, you know, since I retired from the pulpit on a weekly basis, Sermon prep is uh, not the regular process it was when I had to get a new message out every week. So I'm, I'm enjoying digging into the scriptures and, and uh, preparing my message for Sunday. And, uh, but it's also more difficult because I'm not doing book series. So it's like, okay, what am I going to preach on? And so I had to decide, had to finalize that yesterday <laughs> and start to dig. So um, I will uh, let you know later in the week what uh, how it's shaping up. But uh, I've been enjoying that and digging into uh, digging into the scriptures, um, looking at a, an Old Testament prophetic passage for Sunday, and it's going to be it's going to be a, uh, an interesting study, I think. Hopefully it's interesting and, and not boring to everybody who's there. <laughs> All right, what do we got coming up? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And it's our study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. The first two paragraphs of chapter 15. Um, some interesting stuff. It's been something that's had me, you know, thinking this week as I've been been looking at that and preparing my notes for today and tomorrow. Um, interesting stuff. We'll get to that in a minute. All right. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. 
Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, our reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. Our devotional today is A Perspective on Non-Retaliation. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. Matthew five thirty-eight and 39a. Dr. MacArthur writes, Christians are to resist the devil, James 4, 7, cross-reference to 1 Peter 5, 9, and all that his evil world system stands for, Matthew 6.13, Romans 12.9, 1 Thessalonians 5.22. This proves that, although Jesus refuted the Jewish leaders' wrong teaching that people should take revenge in personal matters, our Lord did not teach that his followers simply had to tolerate all sorts of sinful misconduct and evil. The resistance of evil and wrong, if done properly, will occur within the church. Jesus' instruction on church discipline concludes with this command. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Matthew eighteen seventeen cross-reference 1 Timothy 5, 20. A sinning member who rejects one-on-one -on -one reproof, as well as reproof from two or three others, and from the entire church, must be excluded from the fellowship. Concerning unrepentant immorality in the church, Paul instructed, quoting the Old Testament, Remove the wicked man from among yourselves, 1 Corinthians 5.13. In contrast to this, Jesus clarifies that his followers must not resist or take vengeance regarding supposed harm done to them personally. Such retaliation has no place in society at large, much less among Christians. Paul later wrote, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Romans 12.17, cross-reference to Romans 12.19. Instead, God calls us to overcome others' bad treatment of us by doing good to them, Romans 12.21. Ask yourself, what are the main reasons for this kind of rebuke and discipline? What are its goals and objectives? When do circumstances become necessary to perform it? That's a, a good word today. That's a, that's a tough one. I was actually thinking about that in the shower this morning in the light of a news story. Um, I had some worldly thoughts about, uh, you know, what should be done to a miscreant in a, in a news story that went beyond justice and, and had thoughts of vengeance. And this was not something that was done to me personally. It was just a news story I heard and the, the, 
person had done evil and I felt that desire for vengeance rise up that, you know, the, the, that, but it was, you know, it was not the vengeance of the law courts and the, of justice system. It was the vengeance of the back alley and the baseball bat kind. And, and so I had to think on those thoughts. It's not my job. Um, and even that kind of vengeance is not the job of the courts. Um, but at the same time, as we see lawlessness growing in our society, I think we're going to see more and more backstreet baseball bat type justice being handed out. Um, there was that recent uh, convenience store robbery, which I believe is Compton, California, um, where the guy was robbing the store and the the clerks beat him down. I think the owner of the store and and probably since they both the owner of the store and the other person were Sikhs, they're probably related. It's probably a family business, and they beat the guy down pretty good. But notice they didn't kill him. <laughs> that's a that's a key thing, and it it did come out that they would not be charged. But there was that huge, um, coordinated. You can't even call it shoplifting. It's strong-arm robbery where a crowd of masked thugs go into a department store and just start cleaning off the shelves and packing stuff out. That's not shoplifting. That's robbery. And it needs to be punished, but... For some reason, we've gotten our justice system turned on its head. and But this is, the, the things that, that Christ was talking about was personal evil. People that treat you badly don't take personal vengeance. Um, I don't even think, and, and this is like, you know, the defense of your family, the defense of other people, even the defense of your own life, the, you know, there's a, there's a sense in which that is acceptable because the same, the same Lord who said, you know, overcome evil by doing good and don't, don't resist evil also told his um, disciples, if they don't have a sword, buy one. So there is a sense and there's a balance here between, you know, doing nothing and this utter Pacific, you know, Pacific passivism where you don't do anything. And there's a, there's a line, you know, that, that, okay, you can, you can take the insults and stuff, but there's still a, 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 there's a line, you know, of defense of self and defense of others. And that's, that's one of those things that we have to prayerfully approach and think about. All right. We are coming to our 
study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy. We're going to be looking at chapter 15. Let's begin with our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right. I'm going to start by reading verses 1 through 6, and then we'll talk about them, and then we'll move on to verses 7 through 11. Deuteronomy chapter 15. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a remission of debts. And this is the manner of remission. Every creditor shall release what he has loaned to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor and his brother, because the remission from Yahweh has been proclaimed. From a foreigner you may exact it, but your hand shall release whatever of yours is with your brother. However, there will be no, need, no needy one among you, since Yahweh will surely bless you in the land which Yahweh your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, if only you listen obediently to the voice of Yahweh your God, to be careful to do all all this commandment which I am commanding you today. For Yahweh your God will bless you as he has promised you, and you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow, and you will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. So this is talking about the Sabbath year. At the end of every seven years, there was a Sabbath year. This was the time when the, the land was to be given rest. There's all sorts of regulations about not planting and not harvesting. This was a, a year for the land to rest. Um, and it also had this um, forgiveness of debt. And so the, the, the debt was supposed to be canceled completely and permanently. This wasn't just taking the year off and suspending payments. <laughs> this was the, the cancellation of the debt. And the sense here is not business dealings. This is not investing in a business. These these are, and you can you can tell these are personal loans to people in need. Okay, this isn't, you know, investing in a sawmill or a, you know, grain mill or something like that, where you receive a percentage of the profits of the business that you have invested in. That is a different thing entirely. So this is not business dealings. This is personal loans to those in need. You know, hey, I need 50 bucks to, to cover my rent this month sort of thing. And so the, the every seven years, you had to forgive any of these debts. Now, a lot of this is, these are, are the kind of loans that there's no paperwork on. There's no repayment plan. There's no interest rate. It's, you know, can I borrow 
50 bucks till payday sort of thing. And so, and, and we've all done this where we've lent somebody money and you don't see it. They don't come around to pay it. Um, they're probably still in dire straits. <laughs> they don't have the ability to pay it. And now they're embarrassed because they owe you money. And since you're not a loan shark, you're not going to be sending the big bruisers in double-breasted suits to collect the money. You're just, you know, you, you lent somebody some money. They haven't paid it back. They haven't paid it back. When the Sabbath year comes around, you just write it off and forgive it. That's what this is talking about. Like I said, this is not a business deal. This is a personal loan for someone who is in need. Um, now, the Sabbath year, the whole Sabbath year idea um, was established back in Exodus 23 and Leviticus 25. Let me just read Exodus 23, 10, and 11. Now you shall sow your land for six years and gather in its produce. But on the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, so that the needy of your people may eat, and whatever they leave the beast of the field may eat. Thus you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. So what is this? Okay, you don't harvest on the seventh year. You let it lie fallow. But something's going to grow there. The needy among you are allowed to go out into the fields and gather what they can. Yeah. Um, let's just picture a picture a wheat field. Okay. For six years, you have plowed and planted and harvested the wheat. At the end of the sixth harvest. You don't plow it under. You let it lie fallow. In the harvest process, grain has dropped on the ground. And so just by nature, you're going to have the growth of grain in your field. And so you can, you know, the, the needy can go out and harvest grain. You should be living off the grain in your barns. And and the the Lord says that you shall have um, abundance on the sixth year to carry you through the seventh year. That was one of his promises. But the needy can go out and harvest. And this was to be done with the, the vineyard and the olive grove also. So now those those are vines and trees. You're not plowing them under at all. But on the sixth year, you don't go, or on the seventh year, you don't go harvest them. So that the needy can go out and pick grapes and pick olives to, to, to help them. So it's not just letting the land rest. It's also for the needy. And now we're reading here in Deuteronomy 15 that in this same seventh year, all of the needy's debts are forgiven. So this is, you know, this is a, a this is the welfare system of ancient Egypt, ancient Egypt, ancient Israel. This is how the needy were to be helped 
It's not handouts. They have to go gather the food. Although at the same time, you have, you know, these loans are being forgiven. So the needy people, these are people who have no ability to repay. And that's why you forgive the loan. Um, because it, it's, you know, it, it, it amounts to a gift almost. Leviticus 25, 1 through 7, again, talking about the Sabbath year. Yahweh then spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I am giving to you, then the land shall have a Sabbath to Yahweh. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its produce. But during the seventh year the land shall have a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to Yahweh, and you shall not sow your field, nor prune your vineyard. What grows of its own accord from your harvest you shall not reap, and your grapes of untrimmed vines you shall not gather. The land shall have a sabbatical year. And the Sabbath produce of the land shall be for food, for you and your male and female slaves and your hired man and your foreign resident, those who sojourn with you. Even your cattle and the beasts that are in your land shall have all its produce to eat. So here is the idea that the land lies fallow. Obviously, you let the animals graze. <laughs> you don't, you know, can't, but you just, you don't sow and you don't harvest for that seventh year. But the needy can go out into the fields and help themselves. Now, interestingly, and this is, the, this is, clearly made made clear in, in Jeremiah, Israel never did this. And because Israel never did this, they never did it for a period of 490 years, which meant that Israel owed God 70 years of Sabbath. And that's why they were exiled to Babylon for 70 years. That's where the figure came from. So they spent 70 years in exile because they had not given the land its rest every seventh year for almost 500 years. So that's a, you know, this was important. This is another area where Israel disobeyed God. And because they disobeyed God, they did not reap the benefits that they would have had had they done this. Um, so he says, now, it is interesting that it says you, you, you can exact it from foreigners. You may require a payment from a foreigner. The, the release of debts in the sabbatical year was not intended for one who stayed only temporarily in the land. That person was still responsible to pay their debts. Um, but this is Israelites to Israelites and those who sojourn with them, meaning the permanent resident who is not an Israelite. This was the way it was supposed to be. Now, verse 4 says, However, there will be no needy among you, since Yahweh will surely bless you in the land which Yahweh your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, 
if only you listen obediently to the voice of Yahweh your God, to be careful to do all this commandment which I am commanding you today. There would not be any poor. This is an idealistic. Had Israel been obedient, there wouldn't have been the possibility of poverty in the land because of the blessing of God. The harvest would have been that plentiful. The land would have been that fruitful. There wouldn't have been the need for any of this. But, of course, that would be contingent upon Israel's perfect obedience. And we know they were not perfectly obedient. And because we know no one is ever perfectly obedient, you know, even the best of us <laughs> fall far short, because none of us are perfectly obedient, this is why Jesus can say, the poor you will always have with you. Because, you know, these things are going to, the, the, the you have poor people that are poor because of their own sinful choices, and you have poor people who are poor because of the sinful choices of others. I've been reading a lot about the the old company store system, where the, the especially like the the mining towns in Appalachia, where they would excuse me they would they didn't pay the people with money, they paid them with company script, which could only be spent at the company store. And or in company-owned businesses. Or, you know, there were other businesses in town that would take script because they had a deal with the company. But the, the, the money was worthless outside of the company town. And the people ended up, they were renting their houses from the company. They were, you know, the, the old coal mining song, 16 Tons. You work 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. I owe my soul to the company store. That was because that was the only, you know, you got all your needs fulfilled from the company store, and it always cost you more than you made. It it was a, it was a what they call a wage. I mean, it was it was slavery. Um. And it was that was the poor who were made poor by the sinful choices of those who ran the company who had no care for their fellow human beings. It was entirely to make money. Um, so we have poor among us, and we always will, by their own choices and by the, the greed of others that make them poor. Um, and I think everybody who is poor is probably a combination of both of them. You know, there is use and abuse by those who are have power and money and there is bad choices made by people who get themselves into a bad situation they can never get out of and i think this this uh remission of debts every 7 years was part of that you you dug a hole you can't get out of god's going to get you out of it by this forgiveness of debts. So there is a twin push here to help alleviate poverty and 
the promise of the provision of God on the land. So we we see this juxtaposition, and and we see that really in verses six, verse six, it says your Yahweh your God will bless you as He has promised you, and you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow, and you will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. That is contingent upon Israel's obedience. Israel was not obedient, and they ended up having the opposite condition. Um, so that's something to, to, to really, you know, consider. Um, I think about America's national debt, that we have borrowed money from nations that logic tells us are our enemies. You know, the the... We've, we've sold our debt to foreign governments. We're spending more money than we get in as a nation. And someday that's going to go come due. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be bad. Because there is no forgiveness on that scale. There's not going to be a seventh year remission of debts. There's there's going to be trouble. And... and I'm looking at a nation that has dug itself deep in a hole. And and that's that's a sad condition. Um and it's it's something that should concern us all. You know, debt should concern us on a personal level and debt should concern us on a national level. You know. You, know, you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow and you will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. And we're in the opposite condition. All right, 7 through 11. If there is a needy one among you, one of your brothers, in any of your gates of the towns in your land which Yahweh your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor close your hand from your needy brother. But you shall freely open your hand to him, and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. Beware lest there be a vile thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of the remission of debts, is near, and your eye is hostile toward your needy brother, and you give him nothing. Then he may cry to Yahweh against you, and it will be a sin in you. You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing Yahweh your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you send forth your hand to do. For the needy will never cease to be in the land. Therefore I am commanding you, saying, You shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your afflicted and needy in your land. So think about that. Here, for the needy will never cease to be among you in the land. So here he's, it's not a contradiction to what he said back in verse 4. I think it's verse 4. Yeah, verse 4, there will be no needy among you. And here he says, there will always be needy among you. The first is idealistic. The second is actual. You know, had Israel been perfectly obedient, there would have been no needy in the land. But here he's saying, you're always going to have the needy, and you should help them. Now, understand this is absolutely not contradictory to if a man will not work, neither let him eat. The 
principle behind this sort of help has always been helping those who cannot provide for themselves, not helping those who refuse to provide for themselves. There is a huge difference. Um, The Bible doesn't teach self-reliance because we're always reliant upon God, but the Bible does teach being responsible. And that is earning your keep as long as you are able. This is helping the people who cannot help themselves. Now, verse 8 says, freely lend to them whatever they need. So the attitude of the Israelites, and I think the attitude of the Christian, toward the poor people in our community should be warmth and generosity. You know, we should desire to help those among us who are in need. And a lot of this, you know, it's either, you know, looking at this, it's helping those who can't help themselves and temporarily helping those who are, quote unquote, down on their luck. Um, you know, they're, they're, they've, had a, they've had a hard time. Something happened, you know, some sort of mischance that has, you know, made them fall short. So it says the, they were to be given whatever they necessary to meet their needs even with the realization that these loans are not going to be paid back because next year is the seventh year. So it is, it is a gift and, and understanding that, you know, that you're not, you know, when you give your buddy 20 bucks until payday, you're not getting it back and don't, don't try to get it back. Don't even consider it. You know, if he pays you back, great. If he doesn't, you know, I'd say, you know, maybe remind him once or twice. But that's that's somebody who is struggling to get by. If somebody's not even trying to get by, then they need to be disciplined. And they need to be made to work. Not by stringing them up and whipping them, but by saying, hey, if you want to eat, you need to get a job. And, and don't help those who refuse to work. It's, it's a completely different thing if they can't work. And that's the, that's the dividing line in that thing. And a lot of the people who are, I don't, I don't even want to say being helped. <laughs> the, the modern Western welfare system is not helpful because it has created a lot of people who are sponging off the government instead of working when they're perfectly able. And we've all seen the scams of, you know, oh, I'm injured and oh, I'm this or that. And they get on government assistance and they never get off. And, and you know, if it's people that are genuinely in need, yes. But people who are gaming the system so that they don't have to work, that's not, you know, that's not compassionate. It's actually the opposite. Um, also, notice this is, this is not a forced giving. 
This is God telling the individual Israelite to freely give to the poor. It's not God telling the government to go take the money from the average Israelite and give it to the poor. That's a distinct difference. Um, I, uh, Walter Williams, um, the late Walter Williams, he was a fabulous, fabulous speaker. And I, I like many people, I encountered him because he was uh, guest hosting for Rush Limbaugh. Mm, excuse me. Sneeze snuck up on me there. Start itching in my nose. Um, he was the guest host for Rush Limbaugh, and he was fabulous. And I learned more economics listening to him guest host for Rush Limbaugh than I ever did from the high school and college economics classes I took. Um, because he just had a way of, of making it practical. And uh, like his test of ownership. I love this. So the test of ownership is, can I sell it? If I can't sell it, I don't own it. And that's a, a, a you know, he was, he was, I remember him saying that it was in, in, uh, in, uh, I think it was a discussion in national parks. And then somebody said, well, the national parks belong to all of us. And he said, it belongs to me. He said, yeah. So can I sell my part? No, you can't sell your part. Well, it doesn't belong to me. And that was that was one of those, you know, light bulb moments for me. You know, it belongs to the government. <laughs> it's government land. It's, you know, we, we talk about being public land, but it's it doesn't belong to the public in the sense that it's mine. It's owned by the government. But uh, but he, he had a saying... Where he said, reaching into your own pocket to help your fellow man is commendable. Reaching into somebody else's pocket to help your fellow man is reprehensible. And he said, you know, what you do with your own resources is praiseworthy. But when you force someone else to use their resources that don't belong to you in a way that you think they ought to be used. That's not good. So this was not a compulsory lending. So, um, you know, so there will always be poor upon you. Um, the, the disobedience toward the Lord by Israel meant that there would always be poor people in the land. And, and that's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 26 when he said, you will always have the bore with you. Same sort of thing. All right, let, let me see if there's anything else here. So, no, generously help those who are in need. Yeah, have the, the whole idea of the forgiveness that, uh, you know, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a good idea to, you know, do something to help your fellow man. Um, the trick is trying to figure out who those, those who are needy and those who are greedy. Because you don't have to have much to be greedy. You know, you can have the large-scale greed of the companies with the company towns and paying in script and all of that that was a, an abuse of the workers. But you can have small-scale greed, too. You can have a guy who has nothing who's greedy. 
and everything he does, he does motivated by money. So that's a that's something to think about. All right, we'll pick up in verse 12 tomorrow. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the eleventh Sunday after Pentecost. Almighty God, give us the increase of faith, hope, and love, and that we may obtain what you have promised. Make us love what you command. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The colic for peace. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversary, through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for the day. I wish you the best of Tuesdays. Remember, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.